Amos, the sixth chapter and the first verse. And I'm going to be yet dealing with principles of atonement as we begin, because God is bringing us deeper and deeper into the revelation of our oneness with him, our at one mint. And as we root ourselves in one mint, then we will begin to experience all the more the God that's ever present. Because of that at one minute, he, it, it's not like he's ever gone. He's always here. And so, so now, amen, this is giving us access to ever-present. Come on, I need somebody to say he's the ever-present God. Through atonement. Amen. Through atonement, he's the ever-present God. Amen. And so we are now about to and have entered into a church expression of worship where he's going to be ever present. It don't matter if we go to Timbuktu. It don't matter if we go to, to Oklahoma. If it, it don't more if we matter if we go to the backwoods of North Carolina. If two or three came, the God that's ever present is going to be right there. I'm telling you, it won't be a move of God in their church. It'll be our move of God in their church. It's different. No, it's going to be just like it is here. It's different because we're not asking God to come where they are. We're bringing him with us. He's the ever-present God through atonement. Through atonement. So, so listen to this. I want to share some things with you. Um, come on, somebody shout ever-present. Through atonement. Everybody say, shout through atonement. atonement. Ever present. present. Through atonement. atonement. Amen. Amos chapter 6. We bless his name. Amos chapter 6 and verse number 1. It reads here, woe to them that are at ease. Everybody say ease. Woe to those that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Go to Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Look around and see how many people are in here. Look at it. And look at what we just experienced. What did we just experience? We experienced the glory and the move of God because move of God's never start big. If, if you're going to do big things, you have to first commit to small. If your target is population, you will always miss the target called presence. When I'm trying to get a population, I'll miss presence every time. There has to be a shaving down before a move of God can come. Because I'm targeting getting people to come 
But then I have to be delivered from targeting getting people to come to, to yielding for one thing, for him to come and remain. And remain. And if he's going to stay, some folk got to go. Look around. Look around you. And I need you to understand with one thing right now. This church is full. So you can, as a leader, get that in your mind now. You're not trying to fill seats. You're filling air. Your job ain't to fill seats. Your job is to fill atmosphere. Get that in your spirit right now before you go out and lead because some sending is going to happen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Watch this. Watch this. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest. Everybody say rest. Unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. And my burden is light. Amen. Father, we just thank you and bless you right now. We thank you that you speak with clarity on today, that you bring us into a deeper reality of atonement, that we walk in a greater measure of oneness, and that your presence comes and keeps coming. Lord God, we say even though you came, we say even so come. Even so come. We understand although you're here, you're not all the way here because you're too big. So even so come although you're already here. Even so, in spite of us laying on the floor, come Lord Jesus. In spite of us snotting and crying, come Lord Jesus. In spite of us feeling breakthrough, come Lord Jesus. Even so. Come on, my God, when you get an even so in your spirit. Father, we just thank you and bless you that you seal it now in Jesus' name. Amen. I need you to put up the first slide. I need y'all, the first slide and that slide should be Amos 6 and 1 and Matthew 11 and 30. If we can get that one up. Amos 6 and 1. Matthew 11 and 30. I want to sh- share something with you, do some comparisons, help you understand uh, a contradiction seemingly in Scripture uh, of the nature of God and what he instructs us to do. Amos 6 and 1. Amos was now a pre-exilic prophet. Uh, a pre-exilic prophet was a prophet that prophesied before Israel went into Babylonian captivity. Remember, we talked about Babylon last week. Amen. And so now he's prophesying, hopefully, that if the people of God hear, they won't go into Babylon confusion, being conned out of their fusion with God. Amen. We understand confusion is you being conned out of your fusion. When you want to get a divorce, it's because you're confused. The only way you want to leave your spouse is if you have, you've been conned out of your fusion with your spouse. You can't leave one. What God has put together, let no man set aside. It's just a simple, confusion is any time I'm conned out of my oneness. 
whether that be with God, whether that be in marriage, whether that be in kingdom relationship. And so he's prophesying to now, if the people of God repent, they won't go into confusion, which is voluntary separation, which brings you into voluntary slavery. Anytime you voluntarily separate yourself from God, you voluntarily put parts of you in place that can be put in slavery. He can't be a slave, but we can. Once, whatever part of me I separate from him can be enslaved. Amen. All of me and all of him and all of him and all of settles the matter of bondage. Amen. Now look at these two slides. Amos 6 and 1. Woe to them that are at what? Ease in Zion. Y'all see that? Woe to them. Calamity to them. Trouble to them. Affliction to them. That are at ease what? In Zion. Y'all see that? But then he turns around in Matthew 11, verse 30, for my yoke is and my burden is. Y'all don't see the contradiction in there? Woe unto them that are at ease, for my yoke is easy. God makes it clear that he has an issue with ease, but yet claims my yoke is easy. Amen? Woe, trouble, affliction, calamity. To those who are at ease, yet Jesus wants us to take his yoke upon, take our, his yoke upon us to make it easy. Right. In a sense, watch this, because it seems kind of confusion, uh, kind of confusing. In a sense, Jesus or God is saying, I don't want ease, but I do want to make it easy. Right. Easy is not the removal of difficulty. We first got to understand what easy is. Easy is not the removal of difficulty. Easy is not the removal of complexity. According to the Bible, easy is a yoke. God, man, I'm going to help you. For my yoke is easy. Easy defined by God is a yoke. It is not the subtraction of difficulty out of a situation. Everybody say easy is a yoke. We got to understand that first. So, so, so now the easy God calls us into has nothing to do with the difficulty level of a situation and everything to do with our oneness level with him. He is not calling us into easy things. He's calling us into a yoke called easy. There is a big difference between the two. He's calling us into a yoke called easy. Please put the image up of the oxen that are yoked. I, I want to show you something because we got to understand this. E being called the, e the easy that God calls us into, please hear me, the easy that God calls us into has nothing to do with the difficulty level of a situation and everything to do with our oneness level with Jesus. A yoke made two oxen one. Look at the picture. The whole point he's trying to make is I'm putting oneness on you. A yoke made two, God, a yoke made two oxen one. At the head, I'll talk about that in a minute because we're supposed to have the mind of Christ, but I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll say this much right up front. A yoke made two oxen one. Take my yoke upon you is Jesus' invitation into atonement. I'm trying to help you, and I hope the picture makes it very clear. It is his invitation into atonement not to doing stuff that's easy. That's ease, and that's a problem. 
Woe unto those that are at ease, but I, gotta, I have no problem putting a yoke called easy on you. Watch this. So, a yoke made two oxen one. It's him inviting us into oneness with him. Why? Why is the Lord inviting us into oneness with him? I can answer that with a question. Is there anything too hard for God? <sighs> is there anything too difficult for God? The resounding answer is no. Not only is there nothing dif too difficult for him, everything is easy to him. God Almighty. My yoke is easy. We're invited to be with the one that nothing is too hard for. Better yet, we're invited to be one with the one that everything is easy to. Uh, we're invited to be one with the one that everything is easy to. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. Difficulty bows its knee to easy when we have on his yoke. I'm trying to help you understand something. Difficulty bows its knee to easy when we have on his yoke. God never intended to make life easy. I'm going to preach that again because some of you believe the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of easy. God never intended for you to live a life of ease. He actually told you it would be hard and difficult and that's my will for it to be hard and difficult because I'm going to put a yoke on you called easy that'll make hard and difficult bow to the easy I yoked you to. God, God never intended, I'm a, I, hope, I hope I mess up all your religious, God never intended to make life easy, but through being yoked to him, he makes what's difficult bow to easy because easy has authority over difficult in him. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Easy actually has more authority than difficult. So easy is looking for something difficult to make difficult bow to it. Easy does not want to avoid difficult. Easy wants to make difficult bow. Because easy is our work uniform. only thing that oxen got on is his uniform is his yoke and God calls that yoke easy it's our yoke so we can do hard work easily I'll help you understand something woe unto those who are at ease is freedom from difficulty while easy is not difficult Ease is freedom from difficulty. I, I want to make you think a little bit. But uh, while easy is not difficult, ease avoids difficulty while the yoke called easy makes difficult easy. Ease is working hard not to face difficulties while easy is being a living testimony that nothing's too difficult for God. Why? Because I'm going into difficult with a yoke called easy. So I make difficult bow to easy and prove there's nothing too hard for God because I'm not running after ease. I want a yoke called easy. Once we begin, please hear me, once we begin entering into measures of being yoked to Christ, it demands difficulty to come. Why? Because easy is a yoke. Everybody say easy is a yoke. It is not the complexity of a situation. Easy is a yoke. Amen. God places easy on us so we can plow through ground called difficult 
easily. God does not want to give us ease. He wants to make hard easy through our oneness with him. Every difficulty in our lives must end easy. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Every difficulty in our lives must end easy. As long as your situation is still hard, it's not going to end because hard has not started being obedient to easy yet. As long as what you're facing stays hard, it will not end. It can only end when it gets obedient to easy. Amen. So it's the will of God that everything in our life right now that's hard become easy by way of oneness. As we root ourselves in the revelation of atonement, we yoke ourselves with a yoke called easy. See, what I'm trying to say is if your marriage is hard right now, it's about to get easy. Not because marriage is easy, but because you have a yoke called easy on in a difficult marriage. If your family life is hard right now, it's about to get easy. Not because it's easy to deal with your family, it's hard, but you're bringing a yoke called easy into a difficult family. Our situation doesn't dictate the difficulty level. Our yoke does. And if our yoke dictates the difficulty level and not the situation and that yoke is called easy, I need somebody to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor life is easy. We don't like to say that because religion tells you it's hard. You got to drag through. You got to why? Because you're not in atonement. You're still reaching for God instead of being one with God. But if you yoke yourself to the one who, in which it is easy, everything in life becomes easy to the degree you have now entered into the yoke. Once we're yoked to easy, we no longer have to search our ease. I'm going to say that again. One, the only reason we search out something we can do with ease is because we are yet to be yoked with easy. Many people jump and try to preach because the people who are really yoked to Christ make it look easy. It is not. It is not. Seeking God continually, many people say, I want to do it too. It is not easy without a yoke. The only thing that makes anything easy is our oneness with Christ. And now you'll look at somebody doing it easy and say, ooh, I'll try to do that. Amen. And then find out you can't do that. And then somehow find an error in the preaching instead of finding an error in perspective. It's not how, it's not that you read the word, it's how you see the word. Because now we have inherited the right to bring easy into hard because we're yoked to the one that nothing is too hard for. What I want to tell you is good news. If your finances are facing difficulties right now, financial flow is about to get real easy. Not because money comes easy, but you have a yoke called easy on going out to get money. I'm here to tell you right now, money's about to come easy. Your bank account is about to be built easy. You're about to have more money than you have month. Glory be to God. What I'm telling you is your money will outlast your month instead of your month outlasting your money and it's going to be easy. (laughs) 
Not because it's easy, but I have a yoke called easy on doing If you remaining free is hard, if you not sinning is hard, living free of sin and living delivered is about to be easy. Not because living free of sin and walking in deliverance is easy, but you have a yoke called easy on in the midst of people of sin. And because you're yoked to the one who easily doesn't sin, not sinning is easy to you. But when you separate yourself from the sinless one, you fight not to sin. That's Babel. Don't ever tell your neighbor his yoke is easy. He tells us to do nothing without a yoke called easy. If it's hard, this means you did it without the yoke. Easy. I need y'all to understand this. Easy is not ease. It's not the removal of difficulty. Easy is not ease or placing you on a path of least resistance. Woe unto those who are at ease, trouble, calamity, and affliction unto those who seek to structure their life in a way that gives them the highest probability not to incur any resistance, challenge, or difficulty. Woe unto you. Woe unto you. I ain't going to, and ain't no way I'm going to work there because they work you too hard there. I got to find me a job where I can get paid without working. Woe. Woe unto you. And I'm not getting married. I ain't getting married because I, it's too hard to deal with people. I'm just going to stay single because being married is too hard. Woe unto you. See, you know why God says woe unto you for that? God's problem with us seeking ease is through seeking ease we forfeit our royal yoke called easy. God won't yoke us to easy unless we're willing to say yes to something difficult. Why would I make it easy when you chose something easy to begin with? Why would I yoke you with easy and you chose something that wasn't challenging to be woe unto you that are at ease because I can't yoke you with a yoke called easy. Because you chose the path of least resistance and called it God. Listen to me and listen to me well. If what we're doing right now can be done with ease, then it doesn't demand his yoke called easy. I'm going to say it again. If your job doesn't, you can do with ease, you ain't got a yoke called easy on. If your ministry can be done with ease, you ain't got a yoke called easy on. If your marriage can be ran with ease, you ain't got a You know why people marry five times? Because they want to find somebody easy. Your first one was the right one. The one that was hard. God was about to put you in a yoke. And you waited till you found the perfect one and never got a yoke on you because you went ease. No, you need the one that won't listen to you to get that yoke on you. You need the one that's going to give you problems. You need the one that don't listen the first time. Why? Because God is going to teach you how to put on a yoke and make difficult bow to easy, not because of you, but because of the one you're one with. You're going to learn how to be one. With the one, everything is easy to. You're going to learn how to be one with the one, everything is easy to. 
You're going to learn how to be one with the one. Everything is easy to. Come on, you're going to learn to be one with the one. Everything is easy to. Easy is waiting for you right now. You do not have to attain easy. You don't have to find easy. Easy is waiting to yoke itself on you through atonement. As long as... Now look at this. Come here. This right here is all things are possible. Var, stand right there. This right here is what's possible. Why did I say this is all things are possible? Because all things are possible is not a concept. All things are possible is a man. Our problem is we put Bible in concepts. I want to believe all things are possible. Get to know the man called all things are possible and stop trying to believe a concept and encounter the man. You don't have to make yourself stretch your thinking muscles to, be, muscles to believe all things are possible. No, meet the man. And so now, why I got... I got all things are possible right here, and I got what's possible for me. I want to defeat him. I'm going to crush him, God. God, give me the strength to beat him down. God, give me the strength to crush him. God, give me the strength. God, it's going to be hard. Now, why is that foolery? Because I can beat that without all things are possible. So now when I go to fight what's possible for me to beat, all things are possible, sits back and says, man, I'm not jumping in that fight with you because all you did was choose somebody you could whoop anyway. I'm sorry, I, hate, I always hated the folks in school that would only fight the boy that they knew they could beat anyway. You ain't proving nothing by beating this boy. All things are possible does not want to be brought into situations that are already possible. All things are possible is trying to look for a people of faith that'll say, I want to do something not possible. And then all things are possible will say, please lead me into impossibilities because I'm ready to turn some stuff. I'm ready to break some stuff. I'm ready to open some. You can't, you, me and you don't have the right to all things are possible, calculating what's possible and then saying yes. That decision was calculated. It was not God necessary. You calculated your strength to do that and didn't ask God for strength when that strength was already yours before you said yes. We get our calculator out before we try something. And then after we say yes to what we know we could do, even if something goes wrong, we say God did it. God did it. Amen. All things are possible does not want to hang out with that which is possible. All things are possible have to find a people that will believe to do things that aren't possible for them to do. And you can get the yoke. I'm going to share this with you. Amen. And it's so, so powerful. Somebody shout, all things are possible. Look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. 
there has to be a culture created that stops glorifying stuff we could do as if we're doing what God told us to do. And I'm going to show you why in a minute. I have a victorious life because I got a job, I got a car, and I got a house. You can do all that without God. You don't need God for any of that. There are people that got all that and more with another God called money. If that's what God does, you might be worshiping the wrong God. If you worship money, you could have more of what you said God did. Matthew chapter 11, watch this, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you. You know what we messed up? We read that as slaves instead of read that as sons. And when you read it as son, a slave, you see it as a slave and think he's talking about freeing you. He is not talking about, in, that is not an invitation into salvation. Put that yoke back up of that oxen. That is not an invitation into salvation. Come unto me, all you are burdened and heavy laden because I burdened with sin. That is not an invitation into salvation. You only see it like that when you look at it through the lens of a slave. If you look at it through the lens of a son, that is an invitation into kingdom level work. That is not an invitation to salvation. That is an invitation to kingdom level work. Take my yoke upon you. Yokes are only put on oxen when it's time to work. You don't put a yoke on an oxen to save them. You don't put a yoke on an oxen to deliver them. You don't put a yoke on an oxen to make them feel free. You put a yoke on an oxen when it's time for work. That is not an invitation to salvation. Stop using it to try to lead people to get saved. That's what you do after you're saved. You can't get a yoke until after you're saved. Amen. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my work upon you. Take the works that I would do upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Take my work upon you. Take the works that I would do and have responsibility to do them too. Take my yoke upon you. Take how I would heal upon you. Take how I would release breakthrough upon you. Take how I would release glory upon you. Take how I would command devils upon you. Take how I would release heaven upon you. Stop asking me to come. Take my yoke upon you. Stop asking me to deliver. Take my yoke upon you. Stop asking me to free you. Take my yoke upon you. You ain't got nothing to do with getting saved. A 
And when we say yes to what's too hard for us to do, because we've truly been rooted in oneness with him, what's too hard for us to do is done easily through us. Guess what? We're about to heal and it's going to be easy. We're going to see healing every week and it's going to be easy. We're going to see demons cast out and it's going to be easy. Because his yoke is it is not going to be by effort. It is not going to be by work. It's going to be by atonement. It's going to be by the reality that I'm one with the one that everything is easy for. That I'm one with the one that all things are possible for. That I'm one with the one that nothing is too difficult. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Take my yoke upon you. To take his yoke is for us to commit to doing what's easy for Jesus to do, not to commit to doing what's easy for us to do. Take my yoke upon you. Don't take your yoke upon you. Take my work. To take his yoke is to do, to commit to doing what's easy for Jesus to do, not to commit to doing what's easy for us to do. We love to commit to rituals. We love to commit to fundraisers. We love to commit to planning programs. Why? Because that's easy for us to do. But we avoid committing to laying hands on the sick. We avoid casting out devils. We avoid working miracles. We avoid releasing the culture into heaven, in the earth like it is in heaven. Why? Because that's what's easy for Maybe we haven't taken on his yoke yet. Glory be to God. Maybe the reason why we're not seeing what we thought God said we was going to see is because we are yet to take his yoke. What, what is easy for him to do, not what's easy for us to do. If I said go out right now, everybody here, and come up with a fundraiser. My God, everybody, everybody in here would jump to your feet. Oh, I got a good idea, girl. I'm going to do tidal wave. No, no, no. I'm going to be jewelry. No, 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 no. I'm going to sell monograms. I, I, I got the idea. They, they love my bacon. I'm going to bake. But then at the, at the same token, if it's told everybody go out and find somebody blind and open their eyes, nobody in here would go. Not one person would jump to your feet. Go find a blind man. Why? Because we have not taken on his yoke yet. We are still trying to find what we could do easy and not what he could do easy. That's why we have no yoke called easy. We're stuck in a backslidden condition because we're yet to come to the knowledge of our atonement and we make getting free from sin the pinnacle of salvation and we make being delivered an accomplishment. Deliverance can happen without you knowing God. Ask Israel. They got delivered from Egypt and they hadn't worshipped him yet. Deliverance has nothing to do with relationship. They saw ten miracles. They were on their deathbed. 
They were in bad slavery. I'm talking about cruel being whooped. They were killing their children. They were on their deathbed. God raised them up. Come on. They were in a domestic violence relationship and God brought them out of that domestic violence relationship. Come on. They were on drugs and God broke drugs off of them. They stayed in the club and God broke a club off of them and God said, now after you finally come out of the club, let me bring you into the wilderness where you can finally worship me because you getting excited about what I did for you ain't worshiping me. I got to bring you into a place where I ain't doing nothing for you for you to worship me. And so now after I finish bringing you out, now I'm going to tell uh, if, until you can lift your hands and God ain't doing nothing, you ain't learned worship yet. Uh, until ain't no door opening and you can't stop saying thank you, you ain't learned worship yet. You don't know this God because this God is good just by saying he's good. This guy is high just by saying he's high. This God is worthy just by saying he's worthy. He needs no validation. He needs no proof. He needs We've mistaken cheerleaders for worshipers. You're not a worshiper, you're a cheerleader. I know you're going to get real excited as soon as you get another breakthrough. Go ahead and cheer for what God does. That is not worship. The reason why he gave them something to cheer for before he demanded worship is because praise is the journey we take into worship. has to give you something to say he's worthy for to teach you eventually how to just say he's worthy. We remain stuck in Babylon's distance dimension, constantly trying to reach for a God we're supposed to be releasing. God, come. And God is saying, why? Why come and I'm here? God, why won't you come? Because you won't acknowledge me. That, you won't acknowledge the fact that I'm here. Why would I come and you won't even acknowledge me here while I'm here? That's like me coming to your house and you telling me to come to your house. Man, I'm not about to leave and come to your house again. I'm here now. Religion makes you stupid. That's stupid. Come on. Hey Amen. Watch this. Now watch this. Matthew 11 verse 29. Look at this. It says in Matthew 11 verse 20 time, 11 verse 20 time. 11 verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Goes on in verse 30 to say, for my yoke is easy. Easy is the only way a father will put his son to the plow. I need for you to sink that in again. Easy is the only way a father will put his son to the plow. He'll never put his son to the plow unless he's putting what he's putting his son to the plow to do is easy. See, this is what I need you to understand. Amen. Glory be to God. Put up the two yokes again. And I need y'all to understand this because this is, this is so important in us entering into atonement. Come on, somebody shout atonement. Glory be to God. Watch this. 
if you notice something, a yoke causes two heads to be connected. When he's saying, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, take my mind upon you. A yoke causes two heads to be in oneness. I am the head of the, and me and you are one. I am the head and you are the body. Is a head and body separate? So my head is my body's head. Did y'all just catch that? My body doesn't have to figure out what to do. My head is my body's head. My head is just as much my hand's head as it is my next head. My head is just as much my foot's head as it is my ear's head. If we're the body to his head, then we have his. We enter into the dimension called easy to the measure our mind is yoked to the mind of Christ or how much our mind is one with the mind of Christ. Can I help you understand something that's mind-blowing? The difficulty level of a situation is a direct reflection of how much we're not thinking like Jesus in that situation. The difficulty level of the situation, if it was hard last season, it was not because it was that hard. It was just because you didn't have his mind in what was hard. Because his yoke is, why was it hard? You weren't yoked. Hard and difficult is the way that leads to, it is not life. I'm going to say that again. We equated that in religion, in slave lenses, as he said, life is hard. He did not say life was hard. He said hard and difficult is the way that leads to life. Once you get to life, it's not hard anymore. The only reason why it's hard is because God is trying to get you to life. Well, I already gave my life, but you ain't yoked your mind. I know you gave your life, but you have an unyoked mind, and it is now the carnal mind that's enmity against God. Because it tries to please the God, it can't please. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. No, 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 no. You have, you have to have his mind of prayer. Jesus never has to say, I'm going I'm to have to pray at 10. My God, it's his nature to pray. Jesus, stop. See, your problem is you keep separating yourself from the God that you're one with. My prayer life is his prayer life. That's heresy. No, it ain't. It's heresy for you to say, I want a prayer life like Jesus when you are one with Jesus. You're the one that's heresy. You're the one that's lying. I don't have to have a prayer life like Jesus. I pray like Jesus. Me and him are one, and we don't like that because we want an excuse to stay in dysfunction. Because it covers up the fact we really don't believe this gospel. I'm going to say this again. God, I feel religion running for its life. I'm going to say this again. The difficulty level of a situation is a direct reflection of how much we're not thinking like Jesus in that situation. How hard it is is a reflection of how much we're not thinking like him in what we're dealing with that we view as hard. We're yoked to him by way of thinking. I'm going to say that again. You're not yoked to him by going to church. That's why you can go to church and still go through hell. 
Anybody ever been there? You're not yoked to him by having somebody anoint you and pray for you. You can have somebody anoint you and pray for you, and you still get whooped the same way you got whooped before they anointed you and praying you. Because anointing and praying for you can't yoke you either. It's, it can't yoke you until you leave here thinking like what you heard. The word of God is the thoughts of God. Amen? Where it's hard is where our thoughts have strayed from how he thinks. Let me help you understand something. If your job is hard right now, it's because you're not thinking like him concerning your job. It's not because your job is hard, because his yoke is easy. If, if you walking in deliverance and getting free from sin is hard, it's because you don't think like him concerning deliverance. And you don't think, about, think like him concerning free from sin. Because if you think like him, you'll understand it is finished. If you think like him, you'll understand the wicked one comes. It has nothing in me. I don't have to fight not to sin. There is no sin in me, in him, as will. But I want to separate myself because in actuality, I really want an excuse to keep on sinning because I ain't ready to stop yet. Why would you ask a blind man, do you want to have your sight? Unless there's some blind people that don't want to see. Why? Because... As long as I can't see, I have an excuse for my, the way I act. So even though you're blind, I got to find out, do you really want to see? Because if you really want to see, you still wouldn't be saying what you say about why you can't. Watch this. If, if your marriage is hard right now, it's because you're not thinking like him concerning your marriage. His yoke is Marriage ain't hard. Come on. Marriage is hard is a lie. Come on. And if you're telling people that, you're spreading that lie. Come on. Right. That is a lie from the pits of hell that now pronounces a destiny over a marriage to a place called hard when God wants to put a yoke on us called easy. Come on now. Thank you, Lord. And calling it help. Right. A lack of easy is an indication of a lack of yoking in thinking. We have the mind of Christ, not we have a mind like Christ. I'm going to say that again because Babylon slips that in. We have the mind of Christ, not a mind that thinks, I want to think like Christ. That's still Babylon because you're separating your mind from his and you're one. That that small different unyoke that small difference unyokes us can i help you understand something and i want to prophesy over this group of people right now today everybody say today. today the father has come to yoke us with easy he's bringing our life everybody in here into a dimension called easy your work is going to be easy for the rest of your life I need somebody to grab this living free of sin is going to be easy for the rest of your life your marriage is going to be easy for the rest of your life raising children that are world changers is going to be easy for the rest of your life glory be to God 
Not because work is easy. Not because walking in victory over sin is easy. Not because marriage is easy. But because you have a yoke on you called easy. My God, life is easy. I'm going to pronounce that over you right now. Making money is easy. Living in peace is easy. Walking in victory is easy. Living in, living in glory is easy. Hearing God's voice is easy. Walking in his will is easy. Fulfilling his will is easy. Hearing his call is easy. Your life is easy. Now let's see how many people actually don't want to be blind anymore. I'm, I'm going to say that again. Raising children is easy. Uh, your marriage is easy. Your job is easy. Glory be to God. Dealing with your husband is easy. Dealing with your wife is easy. Now let's see how many folk don't want to be blind no more. Do you really want to see? Because that's real sight. Or do you really want an excuse to stay in what you don't believe? Because only belief gets you over the line. I'm going to be honest with you right now. The only reason why I'm preaching this is because I entered into a measure called easy that I've never entered into in my life. In every area of my life. I've never been in a place where in one day I hear three months worth of teaching on three different subjects. But I'm in that realm right now. I've never been in a place where I have more teaching than I have year. I got more stuff. I already know there's some stuff I got to teach in 2020 that I don't even have room for right now because reading word is easy. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you how it, that did not happen because I closed myself up for 10 hours a day. That did not happen because I break myself and I fast for 20 days a month. And uh, it had nothing to do with that. My God, I was making more money than I ever made in my life oh, easily while wow, I'm hearing more word easily than I. I've ever heard in my life and while I'm easily uh, making more money than I ever made in my life uh, and I'm easily uh, hearing a glory that causes the presence of God to come like never before easily uh, me and my wife uh, are getting along better uh, and easier uh, than we ever have uh, in our life uh, while this glory fail uh, can I help you understand something I'm gonna give this testimony and not to brag uh, there were 31 days uh, in the month last month uh, 20 of those days I got paid. I got paid 20 out of 31 days. Easy. Let me ask you again. I'm telling you right now, there is a realm called easy. There is a yoke called easy. There is a place called easy. And God came today to bring me and you into a dimension called easy. Your money is easy. Your spirit is easy. Your deliverance is easy. Your victory is easy. Your ministry for the rest of your life. Let me help you with something. Easy. I took two vacations last month, and I was the number one final expense agent in the whole state of South Carolina. And I went on two vacations. 
Somebody shout easy. Once it get like that, I just look at it. Ain't no baby. What you what you about to do? It's like here, girl, take the checkbook. Hey. Look at her. She ain't just giggling like that because she just giggled like that. She giggled like that because she got the book. <laughs> and I'm like, go ahead, go ahead and giggle, girl. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Girl, do whatever. We are. This easy. I'm going to say that again. God wants to bring you in a place called easy. It's only hard when we're lied out of our yoke. When the enemy lies you out of your atonement, he can tell you something easy is hard. It's easy once we say yes to being one with the one that everything is easy to. Amen. How do I enforce atonement? Through affection. I enforce atonement through adoration. I don't think, oh, I want to be one with you. I want to be one with you. I want to be one with you today. You're still trying to do it by effort. I want to think about you all day long. I just want to bless you all day long. No, no, no. You're still trying to do it by effort. Just lift your hands until he sweeps you off your feet. Just say thank you until he touches your heart. Just say, God, you're all I want until he's really everything and all that you want. If you say it, you will have it. You will not grind. This is not 10 cents. Come on. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Who? Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's intimacy. Come on, I'm going to get up in this morning and pray. I'm going to touch God. Because this is warfare. It ain't, it ain't warfare unless you bypass intimacy. You submit to God, you don't have to resist the devil. Getting in the bed with God means not getting on the battlefield with the devil. Get in the bed so you can stay off the battlefield. You got on boots and God looking for lingerie. I'm going to call down heaven. I'm scared of the Amen. That's <laughs> Try that with your wife. See how much that puts her in the mold. Come here, girl. Sit down right here. You don't love me. <laughs> See how that works. Because <laughs> I'm a soldier. 
on the battlefield. <laughs> Listen, and it's so, so easy. Easy. The only way you can laugh at that is if you repented of that. Because if you ain't laughing, it's because you ain't repented. Because you actually think you made some, you made gains through doing that. When all you did was God was waiting for you to get off a treadmill. You were not even on a track. You were moving a whole lot, not going anywhere. Effort is a treadmill. It is not a track. You can walk as long as you want to. You can walk for two hours on a treadmill, but at the end of the day, you go nowhere. You just did it for the exercise, which much of what we do in church is I prayed for an hour for exercise. Right. Come on now. I read for two hours for exercise. Thank you. Amen. It's intimacy. It's affection. It's adoration. Amen. It's desire. It's passion. It's pursuit. It's saying, God, I'm willing to cut off every voice if I have to until I know your voice like a sheep. If I got to cut off Facebook to become a sheep, that's what I'm going to do. Right. Come on. How are you going to learn this voice when you got 100 voices talking to you at all the times and everybody acting like the shepherd? I, had, I got one of the reasons why I got off Facebook because I got so tired of people who have pastor in front of their name that ain't even got the authority of a pastor. Right. I'm sorry, too. Let me come back. Told me to be. The Father, watch this. The Father is releasing us into a dimension called easy, not giving us a life of ease. Listen to me. God does not want to give you a life of ease. He is not trying to say, King, I have anointed you and empowered you. Now I'm going to find a job for you that you can do easily so you can work in the ministry. Because you need time to work in the ministry. No, I'm going to make that job hard because that's going to be the microcosm of your ministry. I'm going to make it pull on you in every way, shape, and form. And I'm going to teach you how to put on my yoke. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We forfeit his yoke when we seek ease. He won't give us a yoke called easy if we live life to avoid hard. I'm going to say that again. He won't give us a yoke called easy. We got to get this. If we live life trying to avoid everything hard, God's yoke is only for those who are, did y'all read the scripture? Burdened and heavy laden. Come unto me all who are burdened. That invitation was not for everybody. It was not for people who already found ease. It was for people who were burdened and heavy laden. It was for people who said, I'm not going to do what I can do easy. I heard God call me into this and I'm on my last wind. My God, I ain't got no more strength, but I ain't leaving because I heard God tell me to come here and I don't care how hard it is. And God says, okay, come. Come unto me because you said yes to difficult. You said yes to hard. I'm about to yoke you with easy. You somebody that I can bring impossible into uh, impossibility. Uh, that which is possible into impossibility. You will take my yoke. You'll say yes to what you can't do. You'll say yes to what you're not strong enough to do. You'll say yes to what you can't.
can't figure out to do. Come here, you that are burdened and heavy laden. If you got a job that's easy for you, if you got a life that's easy for you, that invitation is not for you. It's for those who are burdened and heavy. You know what it means to be burdened and heavy laden? It means to say yes to something that you can't do in your own strength, but you heard God tell you to do it. You're burdened and heavy laden. Because I don't even know how this is going to be done, and I tried everything to do it, and it ain't ain't moving like I needed to move. But I heard God tell me to do it, so I'm not going to try to figure out something easier to do. Come. Come unto me. Amen. Jesus only puts a yoke called easy on us to plow a ground called hard, difficult, and impossible. Only those who say yes to difficult will inherit his yoke called easy. Can I warn you right now? When you say yes as a son and daughter to difficult, let me give you the warning. Difficult. When you say yes to difficult, let me give you the warning. Difficult. When you say yes to the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven for a whole bunch of people that's faking like they're walking with God, they're going to call you a cult. I'm going to warn you right now. If you're not willing to sell fried chicken dinners and potato salad and go to the annual revival where you can get excited, so, you know, revival for survival, when they called you to be conquerors, if you're not willing to accept the fact that revival is not about people getting healed, eyes open, but it's about a good preacher coming in and getting everybody excited so they can believe that they can keep on going, then you're a part of a cult. But don't that sound like the cult? You don't do none of the works God told you to do, and you ain't even trying to. You won't even take his yoke on you and get mad at me when I refuse to come with you to hang out on your couch. Now, you don't know how to fellowship. My Bible never said fellowship was sitting down watching the game. My Bible says that you can have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus. My question to you is which one is the cult? I suggest to you the cult is the culture while the kingdom culture is the subculture. You can never know what God is doing by looking at what most people are doing. Key, in church. Amen? All right, so, so, so now, let me say this. Babylon, I got to go back to Babylon, and I'm almost done. Can y'all bear with me for a minute? Come on, can y'all bear with me for a minute? Can I, can I teach this? Amen, because I got a whole lot. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I got a whole lot. Amen, more, a little bit more than I used, usually have, and I would, I, di- I still cut it off, but I went on a sabbatical, man, and it just, <laughs> and so I got to get some of this stuff off of me. <laughs> amen. So, so please bear with me. Babylon teaches, amen, the whoredom, watch this, that God's will for our lives is ease. You always know 
that it's Babylon because Babylon teaches you work hard so you can live in ease. Another word for ease is luxury. Sumptuously. That should sound familiar because there was a rich man in Lazarus. There was a rich man who fared sumptuously, right? Then there was Lazarus who begged. What did it ever say the rich man did? All it did was say he fared sumptuously or lived at ease. It never said he was an adulterer. It never said he was a cheater or a liar. All it said was he lived in ease. And he lifted his eyes in hell. And he saw Lazarus afar off. And the rich man cried to Lazarus. And the rich man cried to Lazarus. And the rich man cried to Lazarus. Right? Why? See, what you need to notice is the rich man no longer has his name. He allowed what he worshipped to change his name. Hell in hell, you become what you submitted to besides God. Lazarus had his name. The rich man was just called rich man because he worshiped money instead of God. Come on, if you're the biggest drinker and you submit to that title in hell, you'll be known as the drunk. You will never be called your name again. If you're known as a player and you die in that condition, your name will be player in hell. You will no longer be entitled to be called by the name God gave you because you denied it. Amen. So Babylon teaches the whoredom that God's will for our lives is ease. Everybody say ease. Put up the slide, Revelation 17, good, verse 4 and 5, the Passion Translation. I'm going to talk about the whore called Babylon a little bit. Now remember, Babel is a place in Genesis 11. Babylon is a culture in Revelation 17 and 18. What, what was a place in Genesis becomes a culture by Revelation. Amen. So Babylon never leaves, although they left off from building it. In other words, there are peop- every ge- in every generation, there are people with the spirit of whoredom that rise up to try to rebuild Babylon. Amen. Until the end of time. Amen. This is what it says about the identity of, of Babylon in Revelation. It says in Revelation 17, verse 4 and 5, I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. It says, the woman was robed in what? And scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She was holding in her hand a golden chalice, brimming full with the defiling obscenities and the filth of her lewdness. On her forehead was written these mysterious titles, the great Babylon mother of prostitutes. And of the abominations of the earth. She is the false bride. She is a mother, just like the bride. She's the false bride, right? She's the false bride. Now, go, if we go to Revelation 18, go to the next slide. 18, verse 17 and 8. I want to show you a little bit about Babylon. Because Babylon teaches us that the kingdom is about building a life that you can have ease. Come on, where you can go on the golf course. Where you can sit up. Look, I work hard to be able to sit on the couch all day and not do nothing. And call that, God bless me. That's whoredom. That, that's what you work for if you have now been conceived by a prostitute. Look at this. With the same measure, she exalted herself and lived how? Look, look, luxuriously, right? Give her that measure of torment and grief because she said in her heart, I am no widow. I rule as a queen. I will never experience what? I will never experience difficulty. 
I will never experience hardship because God blessed me. I ain't got to never deal with nothing hard. I ain't got to never deal with because that's what God wanted for my life. Amen? Verse number 8. Therefore, her plagues will fall on her in one day. Disease, famine, and mourning. She will be burned with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who judges her. Everything you see people build that's of Babylon over 20, 30, 40, 50 years will, will fall in a day. Start watching. Right? I'm going to share this with you. Babylon teaches God's people to whore for ease through financial prosperity. Babylon teaches God's people to whore for ease through financial prosperity. And the fact that you can live at ease in the earth, Babylon teaches, is proof that God's blessing is on your life. Amen? She exalted herself, please hear me, and lived luxuriously. Everybody say that means at ease. In the earth. She says, I'll never experience difficulty. Her gospel is this. That the proof of the blessing of God on our lives or the purpose of life itself is to work so we don't have to do nothing. Come on, how many of you workers so you ain't got to do nothing? Come on, you want to set yourself up so you can just have a purposeless day. You, you want to set yourself up so you can do whatever you want to do that ain't necessarily important. It's just what you want to do. And you worked hard for it. And you sacrificed for it. I waited to have a family so I could get this life. I put my children on the altar that was supposed to get my inheritance to get what I wanted. Let me help you understand something right now. The only reason Abraham got the promised land is because he had a promised son. Do you understand that Abraham didn't get the land? The land wasn't promised to him. The land was promised to his seed. He would have never got the land if he wouldn't have a seed. If Abraham says, no, I want to work to, to make sure I get everything I want in life before I have children, he never gets promised. Because what I want to give you is too big for your lifetime. Many of us are cutting off our promise because we're waiting to sow seed. All right, never mind. You know, the whore teaches you that. The whore teaches you how to have intimacy without any a desire for reproduction. I do not want to impregnate you. I just want a, a feel good without the responsibility that comes on the back end. What do you call that? Who does that? Husbands and wives are whores. All right, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. I got too prophetic. Just. You know why Babylon teaches us to wait to have children? Because Babylon understands its destruction is found in the seed of the children. And it is the seed of the woman that shall bruise the head. I want you to wait to have children because it's your children that's actually going to destroy my kingdom. So you need to be successful. You need to buy out because you want to give your children the best. So you leave them without imprinting them with your mind for 12 hours a day so you can throw them a shirt and a pair of tennis shoes while they use the money you gave them to destroy their life because they had no time with you. 
That sounds like Babylon to me. Babylon teaches us to work hard for ease while the kingdom yokes us to Christ to make what's hard easy. As long as Babylon has authority over our ambition, we can never be completely yoked to Christ because his yoke is easy and we're too busy chasing ease. His yoke is easy and we're too busy doing what? Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Why? Because that means you forfeited your yoke called easy. I'm going to show you this, and I'm almost done. Go, Amos 6 and 1 says, one to those that are easy. Go to Amos, Amos 6 verse 7, because it's actually now Amos prophesying to Israel that you're about to go into Babylonian captivity. You're going into Babylonian captivity because you've made your God ease and you have forfeited the ability to be yoked to the God that's easy to do what's easy for God, not what's easy for man. God wants his heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Only God can do that. We come up with 100 missions besides that one. We'll take any yoke besides that one. Let me fry the chicken. Let me pass out tracts. Let me count the money. Let me be a trustee. Let me be an usher. But God knows. No, let me be a gate for heaven to come on earth. That's the yoke. Amos 6 and 7. Therefore now shall they go captive with the first that go what? And the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. Those who seek ease are the first to go into captivity to Babylon. They go captive first. Amen? He said, if you seek an ease, you're going to be the first to go. In other words, you ain't even going to really put up a fight with witchcraft, whoredom, separation from God. Anytime we believe the lie that life is about doing something easy, we hand ourselves over to the bondage of Babylon easily. Babylon is confusion. Everybody say confusion. 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 Being conned out of your fusion with God. Fusion is oneness. Therefore, because I've been conned out of my fusion, I'm reaching for a heaven I've been designed to release into the earth. Babylon is the foundation of all forms of religion. It is not just the foundation of false Christianity. It is the foundation of all false religion. Babylon birthed them all. It's the mother of whores. Everything trying to reach God besides what God gave us is Babylon. Buddhism is Babylon. Hinduism is Babylon. Five percenters, Babylon. False Christianity, Babylon. It all comes back to one culture. I, I am separate from God, therefore I have to do a ritual or go through something hard to reach him. All of Muslim, check it. That's what Muslims do. Come on, check it. They live rough. They got to, because I got to reach God. That's what Hindus do. That's what Buddhists do. That's what false Christians do. Christianity has something, false Christianity has something. We all got something in common. We all got a man upstairs. They are not lying. 
if you're in Babylon. Amen. If you're in Babylon, that's true. So, so now, Babylon is the foundation of all forms of false, of false religion. They separate us from God and tell us we got to do a ritual, we got to do a discipline to reach God. When the kingdom isn't about reaching Jesus, but manifesting Jesus because we're one with Jesus. Then you have the other extreme like the five percenters. The five percenters, because five percenters will come up here and say, man, I'm digging this teaching because it sounds kind of like ours. Liar. I am not saying we're God. Oh, yeah. We are not God. Amen. That separates us from God when we say we are God. We are not God. We're called to be one with God. And then image God forth. We are not God. I'm not saying that either. He a five percenter. No, I'm not. Amen. That relate, that's, kind, that's like the five percenters. No, that is true to a degree because what most false religion does is take five percent of the truth. And a half truth is a whole lie. Amen. It is not the same thing. They, Christianity is life. No, it's not. No, it's not. Amen. We are not God. We are designed to be one with God through worship, devotion, and submission to God. Amen. Watch this, and I'm closing. Amen. Give me about five more minutes. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. I'm almost done. Bring it back in just for one more minute. One more couple of points, and I'm done. Come, Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Why? It says you'll learn to me, but then at the end it says, in truth, and you shall find rest. Everybody say rest. Unto your soul. So the yoke also has to do with rest. Putting on the yoke called easy is directly connected to entering into his rest. Everybody say his rest. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. I'm almost done. Everybody say his rest. Ooh, we're about to go somewhere right now. Genesis chapter 2. Matter of fact, the next slide. There's a slide with Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, and Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Let's finish this journey that God brought us on on this morning. Amen. It's Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And that one. And, and, and look at it. Everybody say, enter into his rest. This is when God entered into his rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God entered his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Verse three. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. God does not call us into rest. He calls us into his rest. God wants me to rest. No, he don't. God wants you to in his rest. God is trying to give me. No, he don't. He wants you in his rest. It doesn't say he calls us into rest. It says he calls us into his rest. Everybody say his rest. Hebrews 4 and 1. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left of us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of. God does not call us into rest. I got to say that again. He calls us into his rest. Can I help you understand something? God didn't rest because he was tired. 
I'm about to help you understand something. Because you don't rest when you're tired. You, you now sleep because you rest. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The only reason why you can sleep is because you're already in rest. Rest gives you the ability to sleep. You don't sleep to rest. Because you can sleep without resting. Ask somebody. God didn't rest because he was tired. He can't get tired. God rested because he knew it was finished. God, I'm about to help somebody up in here. Entering into his rest isn't something we do because we're tired. Rest is something we do because it's finished. My God, I ain't losing no sleep. It's finished. I ain't stressing about nothing. It's Only when we stop connecting rest to being tired will we stop being tired so much. You know why you're tired so much? Because you think you rest when you're tired. Therefore, you give tired authority over your rest. Glory be to God. Now, I got to rest because I'm tired. That's not how it is from the beginning. We not from the beginning don't rest because we're tired. We rest because it is finished. Amen. Being tired will stop. We will stop being tired so much when we understand we don't rest when we're tired because expectation has authority over experience can I help you understand something the reason why you're so tired and the reason why we're so tired is because Babylon has tricked us out of rest in actuality rest is something we're supposed to do all day not when we get tired we're supposed to be resting when we work we're supposed to be resting when we're cooking we're supposed to be resting when we're going out we're supposed to be resting when we're doing ministry his rest has nothing to do with getting tired his rest has nothing to do we're getting tired because he can't get tired and we're called to enter into his rest everybody say his rest God rested not because he was tired God rested because he was confident God almighty glory be to God rest isn't being tired rest is being confident glory be to God uh, because uh, oh, glory be the Bible says uh, that he'll reward your confidence uh, rest is being confident uh, that the work is finished uh, no matter what yet still needs to be worked out uh, and on the seventh day uh, he rested from his work uh, he didn't rest because he was tired he rested because he was confident uh, that what he finished uh, would remain finished uh, no matter what the devil did uh, after he finished it Rest is not something we do because we're tired. Rest is something we do because we're confident. I'm resting right now while I'm sweating. I guarantee you, the majority of the people in here will be able to fall asleep before me after we leave church. Most of the people in here will fall asleep before me because they don't understand I'm resting right now. You actually wait until you get home at the church to rest. That's why you're so tired. I got here at 4 o'clock, and I guarantee you'll be asleep before I do. But as you enter into rest, you won't be tired so much. Because rest is for work. We work out of rest. The only reason why God gives us rest is so we can start working. 
Rest isn't not to do anything. Rest is so you can do God's things. I'm resting. No, you're not resting. You're doing nothing. I'm resting. No, you ain't. You're doing nothing. You're accomplishing nothing. And you're making your time worth nothing. That ain't rest. Is that what God did? When he rested, he did nothing? God, let me, let, me, let me help you a little bit. God was resting when the serpent was deceiving Eve and bringing Adam into disobedience. Why didn't he step in? Because he was resting. He was confident that he would raise up a last Adam called Jesus. He was ready. He didn't have to step in and stop the serpent from deceiving Adam. He already knew, I'm going to raise up a last Adam. So I'm going to sleep while the serpent thinks he's creeping. God was resting when Cain killed Abel because he was confident that through the line of Seth would come an Enoch. God was resting when fallen angels began procreating with the daughters of men producing perverted and distorted forms of humanity called giants because he was confident that a Noah, yeah, that a Noah would come on the scene and would surrender to his spirit to such a degree that he would build on earth something that came from heaven because it had never rained on earth. Can I help you understand the ark is a type of the kingdom of God? The ark came from heaven. There was no blueprint on earth for the ark because there was no need for an ark. It had never rained, but God raised up a man that said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom has come. God was resting when the flood came and ended the first world. I'm going to say that again because y'all missed it. God was resting when the flood came and ended the first world. A lot of people think this is the first world. We're actually living in the second world. The first world was already destroyed by water. This is already the second earth. God was resting when the flood came and ended the first world because he was confident that he had a ham, sham, and Japheth through which he could repopulate the earth. God was resting when Israel went into Egyptian bondage because he was confident that a man named Moses would turn aside to a burning bush and he would be able to be anointed. Glory be to God to lead God's people out of Egypt. God was resting when Jesus took his final breath on the cross because he knew in three days, yeah, he was going to raise him from the dead. I need you to understand he calls us into his rest. God was is and will continue to rest, not because he's tired, but because he's confident. Today, if you hear his voice, hard, not your heart, enter into his rest. While the marriage is rocking, rest. While the family is still struggling, I got to figure out what I'm going to do for my son. No, you don't. You got to stand. 
because they're, oh, I got to figure out what I've got to do for my daughter because they're strange. I got to figure out what I got to do. Amen. Stop. Stop. That's babble. That's confusion. You rest because the one that saved them, the one that now authored their faith, the one who put breath in their body is one with you. While the finances are still funny, rest. While you're still trying to make a difficult decision, rest. Before you know if you're, what you tried to do is going to work, rest. I'm here to tell you right now, God is not calling us into his rest I proclaim over this people uh, this family of believers for the rest of your life rest is your life I'm going to say that again I proclaim over this family over this set of believers for the rest of your life rest is your life rest is not what we do when we're tired rest is a lifestyle did you hear what I just said rest is our lifestyle I don't care what ain't changed in your marriage yet. Rest. Because God got a ram in the bush. I don't care what job ain't come through yet. Rest. Because God has an answer. You are one with the one. Take his yoke upon you and learn of him. For he is meek and lowly in heart. And his yoke is easy. My God, your family is changing and it's going to be easy. Your marriage is blessed and it's going to be easy. Your children are saved and it's going to be easy. We are not called to rest. We're called into his rest. And his rest involves his work. Not being workless. We've been robbed by relaxing. Some of you actually believe Babylon's lie that, you, that when you see people relaxing all the time, see, that's the life I want. No, no, you won't babble. Because the son and the father don't do two separate things. The son said, I work. Because I see my... Well, hold on. God was resting. Jesus said, I work. Because I see my, the reason why I can heal his body is because I see my, so in other words, Genesis 3 is still just as living as it was when God said it in Matthew 12, right? So, so now Jesus says the reason why I can heal his body is not because he saw the father at that moment tell him to get off that mat. He saw the father say, and he rested from his work. The reason why I could tell you to get off his mat is because God said from the beginning, you're in his image, and we ain't lame. Oh. The reason why I could tell you to open your eyes is because you were made in my image, and we ain't blind open and have your sight. The reason why I can tell you every demon in you that couldn't be cast out by anybody else to be cast out because you're in my image and we ain't full of no devils out of them. Glory be to God. He now worked from that rest. We got to work from rest and stop thinking we have to work to do it now. We do what's been done. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
two things that the Lord is inviting us in today. He's inviting us into yoke of easy, and he's inviting us also into rest. He's inviting us into his yoke and his rest. He's not telling you his yoke is easy because what you're doing is easy, unless what you're doing is easy for him to do. His yoke is what he can do to you, not what you can do to you. His yoke ain't your yoke until what you're doing is difficult, you make look easy. I know this by experience. I know this to be true. Once you get his yoke, what looks difficult is he makes it look easy. It becomes real easy to you. Not by way of skill and ability, but by way of yoke. By way of atonement. Everybody standing to your feet. Cast not away your confidence. 